It's a privilege for me to give the message today. Well, my wife and I attended My wife and I attended the uh, United Methodist uh, Lay Ministry classes in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And uh, <clears throat> we attended together, and right after we attended those classes, they put our names on the circuit ministry. My wife preached lessons and gave messages at huge churches in the area. It was astonishing the kinds of assignments she got. And the assignments I got were in Scott, Monroe, and Anderson County in little churches about the size of my garage. The largest congregation that I ever gave a message to was probably smaller than the choir. I remember one little church just off the interstate. The church was there long before the interstate was. And there were uh, 11 people there, but three of them I brought with me to provide music. <laughs> Every one of them tried to pay us. So thank you for having me. In 476, Romulus... Augustulus died. Actually, he didn't die. He was deposed in Rome. And they didn't replace him. So that marks the end of the Roman Empire. Not only did it mark the end of the Roman Empire, but it suddenly got really cold. And we entered a really cold age that lasted for about... 500 years. Now, after the fall of the Roman Empire, there really wasn't any central guidance for the people. And then about 500 years later, it got incredibly warm again. That was the medieval warming period. It was so warm that Greenland was actually green, and the Vikings were <laughs> raising crops there. Now, during this time, it was a miserable existence for the vast majority of people. And the vast majority of people, including kings, could not read or write. So how did Christianity spread much less survived during that time period. But it did indeed. It became the responsibility of the church during the time, the Dark Ages, the medieval period. And all the roads were still there left by the Romans, and the church began to build cathedrals and so forth in the centers of towns. So if you look down from above and look down on the landscape there from aerial photographs, satellite photographs, you find that roads lead from the center of one town to the center of the next town. 
The Crusaders used those roads during that time period on their crusades. The popes had taken over and had gotten kings and various lords and vassals and so forth to raise armies to go and fight a number of crusades. And I can't find in all of my research the exact number of crusades. One of them involved children under a guy named Peter Martin that never got to the Holy Land. And they would capture cities in the Holy Land and lose them. But all of this was going on during the Dark Ages. But God's Word survived. In 1453, Constantinople and um, Constantine the 11th fell. And that was the end of the Roman, Holy Roman Empire. But it was cold. And even the Huns and the Visigoths and the Ostrogoths and the Vandals and all those people, they quit Europe. It was untenable. And that, with the birth of a family called the Medici, led to the Renaissance. Now, the Renaissance occurred, of course, at the end of the medieval period and after the fall of Constantinople. And the Medici were humanists, okay? Humanists. They think that the human condition and the human value is premier in the life of mankind, of humankind. Yet, who were the biggest sponsors of churches? and cathedrals, and religious music, and art, and sculpture at the time were the Medicis who were accused of being humanist. Well, it began in that time period that universities began to exist, and the universities were run by the church. By this time, the printing press had been invented. Coming down to 1611. 1611 was when James I completed the King James Version of the Bible. And there was a man who lived in that time. He was 28 years old at the time the Bible was finished. There was a man in that time named Orlando Gibbons. Orlando Gibbons' primary occupation was he's an organist at King's Choir. But he also was assistant music master at King's College. And he knew James I. He ran in the circles of James I. He wrote a hymn, actually a six-part vocal piece to be sung a cappella. And it's called, O Lord, Increase by Faith. That peace is a wonderful prayer in itself. And so that's what I mainly would like to talk about today. O Lord, increase my faith. Strengthen me, confirm me in thy true faith. Why do you need to be strengthened in your faith? Most of us, most of us, I dare say, believe that our faith is inadequate. Now, you just got through saying the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, is Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Some people say he descended into hell. The third day arose, and he sat at the right hand of God, of God the Father. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. We say this all the time. The apostles did not write that. It was meant to be recited in church so that every single meeting of the church, the people could reaffirm what they believe in. And the reason was, is that paganism began to creep into the church. So they didn't want them out worshiping gods of the harvest or the hunt or any of those other things. They would like the people to stay focused on their faith. So that's why the Apostles' Creed was first written. Now, we don't know exactly when it was written. The first time it appears in history is 483. But, O oh Lord, increase my faith. Strengthen me. For some reason, we have to plead to get our own faith reinforced. Hence, our scripture lesson today, blessed are the poor in spirit, where they shall see the kingdom of heaven. Your desire to have your faith strengthened is the prominent factor to get you into heaven. Because all you have to do is have the wisdom to know that you want to follow the teaching of Christ the Apostles' Creed, so to speak, you want to reinforce your own faith. That will get you there. O Lord, increase my faith. Strengthen me. Confirm me in thy true faith. What is your true faith? The true faith is actually the first part of the Apostles' Creed. That is the true faith. And one of the key words in the Apostles' Creed, and it occurs in the Lord's Prayer, and often in the teaching of Jesus, did Jesus ever, ever declare himself to be king? No, he did not. Jesus wanted us to believe in God as our Father. How would you like a father to teach you? Is there anyone among you sinners who knowing your child wanted bread would give them a stone? Is there anyone among you who knowing that your child needed a fish would give him a snake? So that's how your father in heaven should look out for you. The wisdom of a father Endue me with wisdom. Well, endue, what's that word, endue? It's the same thing as endow. It's a gift. Wisdom is a gift from God. God wants us to understand. Endue me with wisdom and charity. Now, charity, believe it or not, is related to wisdom. If you focus on your own foibles and your own inadequacies, then maybe if you turn away and focus on the poor, 
Focus on the, on the disenfranchised. Focus on someone else. Allow charity to be your guide. That, the reason that's in that prayer, to focus on charity, is to move you away from centering yourself and your inheritance, your stairway to the kingdom of heaven, to keep it from being centered on you, but to center your actions. So to have wisdom, to have God in our heart, and charity to share our hearts with others. O Lord, increase my faith. Strengthen me, confirm me in thy true faith. Endue me with wisdom and charity and patience. Start looking for a pen. There's a homework assignment. Patience. Can you imagine? I remember the book uh, called 1964. It was when it came out. It's called Future Shock. And in that book, it talked about how much trouble old people were having with the moving forward of technology. How many of you have a smart phone? How many of you know how to use your smart phone? How many of you consult the internet for truth? Technology is moving forward so fast that my car could go fast without my foot on the pedal. My car knows when it needs a tune-up. It knows when it needs its oil changed. The car knows more than I do. First computer I ever had was an uh, IBM PS2. And the computer power in that was enough to run the space shuttle at the time. I have no idea. I thought 150 megabytes was a big deal. How many of you think 150 megabytes is a big deal? It isn't. As a matter of fact, we can't even comprehend what it is we're looking at half of the time. And the only time we ever get any clarity about it is we get our eight-year-old grandson to help. <laughs> there is so much going on in our lives. We have access to so much information that we are saturated. And yet, here we are still seeking the kingdom of God and the signal-to-noise ratio isn't getting any better. Endue me with patience. Now, if you found a pen or something, here's your homework assignment. I'd like you to get on the Internet, the font of truth, and look up Desiderata, D-E-S-I-D-E-R-A-T-A. And it's called the Desiderata. It's by a guy named Max Ehrman, E-H-R-M-A-N-N. -N, and it was written sometime in the 1920s. There, 
is a lesson on patience. I can almost guarantee you that if you read through that, that in the 30 seconds or so that you read through this piece, your heart rate will go down. We are looking for God to help us to lower our heart rate. We are waiting on God to help us, to strengthen us, to confirm us in his faith. But all we really need is patience. Patience and wisdom and charity. In all my adversity, sweet Jesus, say amen. Maybe we can turn our lives over to God and to Jesus. And with a whole lot of patience, a little bit of quiet, maybe step on your cell phone, but with a whole lot of patience and a little bit of quiet, we can listen carefully to Jesus saying in our lives, Amen. Now, we have to have a lead-through practical exercise. So I'm going to close with a lead-through practical exercise. Take your hands like this, put them in your lap. Look at your hands. O oh Lord, increase my faith. Strengthen me. Confirm me in thy true faith. Endue me with wisdom and charity and patience. And in all my adversity, dear Jesus, say amen.